Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Morning. Peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Uh, welcome. Uh, this uh, study we're going to be doing today is called Love Others. You'll see that you have a study guide in front of you, and you should also have a separate bookmark. Uh, there's a picture of one on the front of your guide. I'm trying to pick that one off the page. There should be a loose one there. And uh, what that bookmark has, if I, if I can just borrow yours for a moment, it has one of the verses on the front we're going to be looking at, but on the back it has references to other verses uh, which we're going to be looking at today, including God's promise on the back. So I just wanted you to have this so that you can keep this in your Bible and, and remember what we talked about today. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Good morning, Father. It is good to be in your house to study your words, to come together uh, and to worship you, and uh, to learn more about how you have loved us through your son Jesus, so that we can do what you call us to do, love one another. Uh, bless our time together that you might strengthen us in that which you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful if reconciliation were as simple as taking a pill? I just never thought it could happen to me. It's my own family. It just felt like we were trapped in this black hole of anger and resentment. Like the walls were just closing in on me. Like I was in the trash compactor from Star Wars, and I'm Luke Skywalker, and there's Princess Leia, who I don't know is my sister yet. And even though Han Solo is trying his hardest to save us, he's driving me crazy. And then there's Chewie in the corner just going, Anyway, then the holidays roll around, and it's just like Christmas to bring out the worst in all of us. All those long-standing grudges and unresolved family conflict just seem to rear their ugly heads this time of year. The last thing I wanted to do was go to the annual family holiday party. Then my doctor told me about Reconcilosec. Reconcilosec is recommended for all occasions where friends and family need a little help. Reconcilosec is not for people who are dating or engaged or may become engaged during the holidays. Reconcilosec should never be taken with animals in life. Relational conflicts involving money or inheritance also show no improvement. Take Reconcilosec at least 30 minutes before any anticipated conflict. Sharing Reconcilosec with others may increase your chances of reconciliation. So if you're looking for immediate reconciliation with the ones you're supposed to love, look no further. Ask your doctor if Reconcilosec is right for you. Thank you, Reconcilosec. <laughs> Side effects may include excessive hugging, chronic hand holding, and explicable affection for in laws, and sloppy kisses from hands and grandmas. Exceeding recommended dosage may result in marriage problems and more pregnancy. If you experience reconciliation lasting more than 24 hours, that means the drug is working. Other side effects include dry mouth, headache, diarrhea, diphtheria, vomiting, dizziness, hearing, nose break, loss of vision, loss of hearing, euphoria, sudden paralysis, and hilarious. Well, unfortunately, the FDA has not approved the drug for distribution yet, so I guess we'll just have to depend on God's word for reconciliation. This past week, as you may have heard, uh, our ministry held a conference here at King of Glory, and uh, we had people come from all over to, to learn and to share. And one of the people that came to share with us is uh, a man from Rwanda. Uh, in 1994, one million people were brutally murdered in 100 days. Not by an outside army, but by Christian neighbors, friends, and even relatives. Most of us cannot begin to imagine 
the hellish violence that those people endured. For there was no one in the country who was not affected as a victim or survivor. There was no one that hadn't lost friends and family from the genocide. So Reverend Dr. Celestine Musakura came to share with us how it impacted him. Although he grew up in Rwanda, he was out in the country during the genocide, studying and working. When the genocide came, it deeply impacted him. And so he was committed to teaching people how to love one another and to forgive one another in light of genocide. For these were just not your normal type of enemies. They were people that lived together in the same village, some of them were related by marriage. Some of them attended the same churches. And so he was teaching them how to love one another in spite of the fact that your friends, your neighbors, had murdered your family. But in the years that followed the genocide, there was retribution killing. Initially, it was Hutus killing Tutsis. But then in the years that followed, the Tutsis were killing Hutus. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, Celestine received a fax. It said that seven members of his family had been murdered, and 70 people in his village. They were Hutu. And even though they themselves had not participated in the killing, they were associated with the killers. And these Tutsi neighbors that Celestine knew murdered his family. At first he thought his mother had been murdered, but she had fainted during the killing. And um, when she came to and she was surrounded by bodies, she looked around and she found a baby that had also survived. She took that baby and went into hiding. She didn't know it at the time, but that baby was her grand granddaughter. And she went hiding from place to place and finally went into exile uh, for a couple of years. Celestine thought that both his parents had died, that his brother had died, other family members. And now the test came. He had been teaching others to forgive, to love those who had murdered your family. Now the test would come. Could he forgive? And he knew that he could not forgive on his own. And he prayed that God would give him the strength and the love to do that. And within a few hours, he forgave the people that murdered his family and all the people from his home village. But sometime later, he learned that his mother was alive, but he hadn't seen her for a while. And finally, he, he was in an area where he was teaching on forgiving. And he had forgiven the, 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 the people that had killed his family and all the people in his village. But sitting in the front row were three members of that family that had done the murdering. They themselves were children of the murderers, but they knew each other because they were neighbors. And now, now he's facing the family of those who murdered his family. And he was shaking as he was teaching them. Those three came and begged forgiveness for him. And there, Celestine forgave them, and they were reconciled. But he was not living in the area where his mother was, but these three were. And she was getting older. Of course, her husband had been killed. Her other son had been killed. And so Celestine asked those three people to look after his aging one. She forgave him as well. <coughs> Those whose family was responsible for killing her husband and her family were now caring for her. She lived to be 95, passed away just a month ago. This is what our Lord is talking about when he says to love one another and to love even your enemies. One of the things that's hard to imagine about Rwanda is at the time of the genocide and even today, 
more than 90% of the country is Christian. And so these were Christians often murdering Christians. And so it gives us pause to wonder what is happening in our faith that we're not prevented from such atrocities and how can we be moved to such things and we realize that sin nature is very strong in us and we can be moved to do things that we would think would be unimaginable. But our God has done something even more unimaginable for us. So if you'll open your study guide to the first insight page, uh, I want to look at uh, some of the verses that are there on top of the page. Uh, let's read together the first one from John 13. Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And let's also read the passage from 1 Peter 4. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. And the one from 1 John 4. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, in our society, when we hear the word love, we often think of romantic love. And uh, that's how it's often portrayed. And if you think about uh, our, our songs that are sung, uh, our pop songs, our country songs, uh, they all speak of that kind of love. But the Greeks had three different words for love. We're going to look at them briefly, not to give you a Greek lesson, but to give you an understanding of what kind of love the Bible is talking about. Uh, one is philos, which means brotherly love. And we have a city named after that Greek word. What city is it? Philadelphia. Philadelphia, that's exactly right. That's city of brotherly love. Uh, so that's a family uh, or close friendship type love. Another one that the Greeks used uh, is eros, uh, from which we get the word erotic. And that would be more of uh, uh, an erotic type love or what is more often used in, in some of our pop culture. But the, the word that's used most often, and, and the word that's translated love in those three passages you read, is agape. Agape is a selfless love. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's the kind of love that God has shown you and me through his son, Jesus Christ, in that he sacrificed, Christ sacrificed his life for you and for me. That's agape love. That's the kind of love that we are called to do for one another. A selfless, self-sacrificing love. So on the next page, let's look at uh, a few of these passages. Uh, we're not going to take time to look them all up. Uh, what I'm going to do is we're going to cover highlights of this particular study. Uh, but I, I, I have written it out for you so that you can reflect more on it on your own. But let's look at the, the first five passages. So we'll have different people look them up and read them for us. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Uh, Matthew 22, 37 through 39. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. And 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9. So those are the five passages we're going to look at. Does somebody have Philippians 2 ready for us? Okay, please. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. <clears throat> Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Okay, just that part. Thank you. So what is that verse calling us to do? Think of others first. Think of others first, yeah. And uh, does it say that we should ignore ourselves and our own interests? No. no. Uh, but we are to consider others' interests as well as our own and to think of others more highly than we think of ourselves. That's a selfless kind of love. So let's look at the next passage, Matthew 22, 37 through 39. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this is Jesus speaking, summarizing for us the Ten Commandments. 
And the first and great commandment, he said, is to love God. But the next one is love your neighbor as as yourself. Right. Uh, then 1 Corinthians 13. This is often, do you know what, what this chapter is often called? The love chapter. Very good. Uh, somebody have verses uh, 4 through 8 for us. Please. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It, do, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for... Just not through it. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Thank you. One of the other speakers we had this week was Pastor Tim Carter, who for 21 years worked for the Texas penitentiary system, including serving as prison captain in the death house where executions take place. And he described a situation where in one of the executions he was overseeing, he would lead the, the families of victims into their private viewing area and the, the fam, families of the condemned inmate in their private viewing area. And he was with the family, and there's a, a, a bulletproof glass wall between the family and the person that is being executed. And um, he is able to look and see his family, uh, but of course he cannot hear anything that they say. And this mother of the uh, inmate, uh, as they uh, were preparing her son for execution, he said was by the glass window and, and, and doing this to it. And he wondered at first, what is she doing? And she was imagining that she was running her hands through his hair. Even though her son had committed horrible crimes, she loved him. And she wanted to, to show that love to him no matter what happened. If you think about the kind of love that First Corinthians is talking about, it's talking about that mother's love that loves all, overlooks all. Uh, it goes beyond what you can imagine. And that's the kind of love we're called not just as a mother or as a father or as a son or as a daughter, but for all people to have that kind of love for one another. Um, Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Can we keep going? Uh, through verse 48. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Thank you. One of our other speakers was Kent Whitaker. He and his wife and his two college-age sons had just come home celebrating as a family at dinner. And as they walked into their home that night, they were ambushed by a gunman. The gunman shot and killed his younger son and his wife and wounded him and his older son. As he's laying in the hospital, Kent had a faith crisis. Do I forgive whoever murdered my family? Can you imagine? Then, over the course of many months, he learned it was his older son that had planned the murder, planned to murder his father and his brother and his mother. Now, Ken's forgiveness was tested once again. For not only had his older son arranged to murder his family, but he 
paid somebody to do the shooting. As Kemp unfolded the story, he not only forgave his son, but he fought for him when his son was convicted and put on death row. And just last year, that death sentence was commuted to a life sentence. But he also forgave the gunman. And he was at the hearing where the gunman was convicted and about to be sentenced, and Kent was allowed to speak. Kent stood up and forgave the man that actually shot and killed his younger son, his wife, and then wounded him and his older son. When Jesus says, love your enemies, that's what Kent was able to do. But do you think he was able to do that on his own strength? Absolutely not. It's not what he wanted humanly to do. Uh, but as he spoke, and if you read his book, Murder by Family, he says very clearly in there, the only way you can do something like that is by the love of God. Asking God to help you to love your enemies. So while Jesus commands us to not hate our enemies, but to love them, he also promises to be with us, to do that which we can never do on our own. So that with the Apostle Paul, we can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, let's look at 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9. Somebody has that to us. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, as love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. <clears throat> When we show undeserved love to people, it's a way to proclaim God's forgiveness and our own forgiveness. And the scripture says it covers a multitude of sins. That's what it's talking about. And uh, what is, what is the uh, most ultimate demonstration of covering a multitude of sins? Love that covers a multitude of sins. Christ. The cross itself. That is, Christ was hung on the cross. He said a prayer for us. Do you remember the prayer? He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And while that prayer was for those that were physically crucifying him, it's our sins also that nailed him to the cross. And yet, he demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and for me. That's the kind of selfless love our God has for us. And while that may be difficult to understand, then as it gets translated for us loving others, it, it becomes difficult. And so that's the challenge that, that lays before us. So. Uh, let's drop down a full bullet to a few bullets, um, and uh, uh, let's take a look at uh, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, and if someone would read that for us. Therefore, be imitators of God and love beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Remember that uh, to demonstrate this, the servant attitude, uh, Jesus had washed the feet of the disciples, and uh, that was certainly an act of great humility, because uh, only a, a servant would wash feet. Uh, and for the master, the teacher, the rabbi, to wash the disciples' feet was uh, a significant demonstration of Christ humbling himself to serve uh, his disciples. So this question is, thinking about Ephesians chapter 5, how can we imitate God and wash the feet of others when they seem so unreasonable? What would you say to that? Yes. 
if we're imitating Christ, then we just think about our relationship with Christ. He loved us when we were at our rock bottom, not when we were at our high point in life. But actually, he saw us at the very bottom, the worst that we have, the worst thing we've ever done. He saw that. He still said, I want to forgive you and die for you. And so we, you know, if we're imitating that, then that's what we're doing. We're seeing someone at a low point in their life, maybe in terrible thing that they've done to us but we're imitating Christ then we're called to forgive them at that low point in their life that's a, that's a beautiful answer and you bring to mind to me uh, Hebrews 12 uh, the first few verses uh, let's take a quick look at that Hebrews 12 the first three verses and uh, see how that fits with just what you said uh, that how can we love someone who seems so unreasonable or someone who does such hurtful things. Uh, does somebody have that? Please read it for us. As for us, we have this large crowd of witnesses around us. Let us rid ourselves then of everything that gets in the way and of the sin that holds onto us so tightly, and let us run with determination the race that lies before us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Christ Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. Think of what he went through, how much he went through, at the hands of sinful people. So do not let yourself become discouraged and give up. Very good. And from memory. Uh, it's a great passage to have. But that's exactly what he was saying, right? That's right. The way you can, can a, 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 as you look at, at people that are, are, are so awful in our minds, are so unreasonable, are so hurtful, are done such, such painful things to us or those we love, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. For he knows what it's like to suffer those kinds of things. But remember what he did for us. And, and so that's what we're called to do. And that's the key to loving even our enemies. Well, let's look at Romans 12, uh, 14. And I'm going to add two verses to that. I'm going to add the verses 20 and 21. Romans 12, 14, and 20 to 21. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll keep burning coals of shame on your hands. So what does this verse mean, these passages mean, when there's a dispute in your family, work situation, neighborhood, or church? Take the pill. <laughs> I love it. Or in the absence of the pill. Hard work, but it really goes back to what we just talked about. Uh, yes. I'm thinking about the scene in the movie that you showed us of the man with the pill sneaking up on the family members. That's really not something you can do long distance or about eye to eye, maybe. Maybe not a letter. A letter could maybe facilitate the reconciliation. But that's a, that's a special challenge, isn't it? That's very insightful. Um, that really to show that kind of love is best in person. And, you know, I, I have people that give me excuses, you know, they live across the country. Uh, but uh, um, I, I have an acquaintance who uh, had been terminated at a job in Chicago and was now living in Montana uh, working for uh, a peacemaking ministry. And she realized that... Um, she still had an unreconciled relationship with her former boss. And um, so uh, what she did was uh, she emailed him. She said, I'm going to be calling you to ask for an appointment. Then she called him and said, you know, when we last talked, it was a difficult time. Uh, there's things that are not yet resolved. I'd like to come and see you. And at first he thought maybe she was trying to get her job back, and she assured him that's not the purpose of why I'm coming. Uh, but I have some things I need to share with you, and I need to do it in person. She bought a plane ticket. She flew to Chicago. She rented a car. 
She got a room for overnight, and she met with this man in person. And when she met with him, she confessed her sin to him, how she had failed to be a good employee, how she had resented him for these years since, and she asked for his forgiveness. Now that, my friends, is doing what Jesus says. If you come to the altar to offer your gift, there remember your brother has something against you, Send him an email. Send him a letter. Give him a phone call. Does it say that? No. Leave your gift. First go and be reconciled. So what you're saying is very insightful. That when we're going to show that kind of love where there's a very strained relationship, the, the most loving way to do it is in person. I want you to think about how God loved us. He didn't just send an email or a text or Twitter thankfully. Instead, he came and became flesh and dwelt among us. And then how else does our Lord come to us? In the sacraments. Pardon? In the sacraments. In the sacraments, yes. In baptism, in the waters of holy baptism, in, in the Lord's Supper, and in Scripture. So he comes to us very personally. And, and that's what we're called to do to one another. So I want to give you another example of what this looks like. There was a, a, a Christian conference where there were uh, thousands of men gathered in, in a large arena. And there were protesters outside because they knew that as a, a Christian group, they had very conservative views. And this group was protesting this, this huge gathering. They had signs, quite a group of people out there. Uh, and. Um, and it was unsettling to the men that were entering uh, the, the special event. Uh, but they had lunch for all of the men. And the guy that had arranged the lunches had a whole pallet of lunches left over and uh, bottled water. And it was very hot outside that day. And these protesters were out there. And so he got uh, a pallet on wheels. And he took those lunches and those extra bottles of water and he had to go across the street to meet the protesters. And he said, I know you've been standing out here. Uh, I know it's been um, uh, very hot. And I thought you might be hungry. We have these lunches available. Uh, we want to offer them to you if, if you would like them. And the leader says, we don't need your stuff. You could just take it back with you. And another one said something similar. Another one, then the third one said, I'm pretty hot. I'll take a water. Another one said, I'm kind of hungry. He says, I'll tell you what. I'll just leave this pallet here. And he turned around. He left the food and, and water and walked away. You see, that's demonstrating Jesus' love to those that are persecuted. And um, so we can find lots of opportunities and ways to do that. Let's go to the next one, First uh, John 4, 7 through 21. And um, what I'd like you to do is get together in small groups and work through those four bullets and fill in the blanks. Uh, take a look at that passage. And uh, uh, we'll come back together in just a few minutes and uh, discuss those blanks. So work together in small groups. <laughs> For those watching online, uh, we are looking at 1 John 4, verses 7 through 21. Take a few seconds to wrap up your thought. Review these and see what you came up with. So, in the first one, according to verse 7, love comes from God. That's right. And in verse 11, the consequence of God loving us is that we ought to love one another. That's correct. According to verse 18, we are able to turn from fear when we love others. Yeah, that can be very helpful, especially when we have a situation where someone has seriously... Uh, uh, hurt us or people we love one way or another. Finally, as a Christian, I love God. In verse 21, we are reminded that love for God enables us to love my brother. 
to love one another would also be right. So let's look at a few of these discussion questions. Um, how can I love others when they need to see they have been wrong? Sneak up with a kill. Yeah. Sneak up with a kill, yeah. <laughs> All right. But if you're out of reconcile a sack, what's the next best thing? I mean, I would be saying that they don't need to see. I mean, that's that's really what we're saying. Jesus from the cross says, Father, forgive them. They don't know. I mean, there's, a, there's a humility there that we're that called to that I don't always like. I'll be honest, you know. Okay, so there's... Humility that called me to be like Jesus. So sometimes there are situations where maybe they don't need to see it, but there may be times when they do, right? Let's take a look at Galatians 6, verse 1. And uh, someone have that for us. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So how would that apply to this question, how can I love others when they need to see if they have been wrong? Well, I think our world today likes to confuse permissiveness with forgiveness. And it's it really wasn't that bad. Oh, you know, that's that's just in, that's not what we need to do. That's in our world now. There's at least that much. Part of the gospel is law comes first, and you don't get preachy. That's why you have to pray because there is no there is no kill, and sometimes it's complicated as well as painful. There's the emotional crushing that you have, but there's also. We don't know the people that crucified them. Where were they 20 or 30 years later in their life? Maybe every single one of them came to Jesus and realized. But there's, you don't want to be permissive. And, and the modern approach is to kind of be permissive and say, well, there is no sin, so it's not a problem. Okay, so the comment is made uh, that, uh, we, that in our society, we, we sometimes can confuse permissiveness with forgiveness. It's just dangerous. And which is dangerous because then some people might continue on in that kind of sin, right? I just think, though, that um, we can only, for, it seems to me, we can only forgive somebody who has hurt us. It's not our job to forgive um, Hitler or, you know, somebody who's hurt someone else. I think we need to be the one that's wrong, like the guy, the man from Rwanda. Um, he was wrong. And so I think that we have to not try to um, forgive them for their bad um, political views or for, it's what's been done to hurt us. And I think that the way to be gentle is to use those I statements and say um, how, how their actions have affected you. It makes me sad because um, when you told me that such and such or when you did such and such. I think you have to put it back on yourself. I, I just don't think it's our job to forgive everybody for social ills. It's just not real. Okay, well, let's talk about that for a moment. Uh, first of all, you are right that in terms of offering personal forgiveness, that does need to be with the one that's personally hurt. But is there a forgiveness that we can offer separate from our personal forgiveness? Forgiveness of Christ to someone who's repentant. Forgiveness of Christ. Um, so uh, what this is talking about says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, that doesn't mean they got caught in the act. It means they've been ensnared in sin. So this is not uh, usually a one-time deal, but it's something that's ongoing. And it says, you who are spiritual. So there's a qualifier here that in order to do this kind of loving confrontation, you need to be spirit-filled. So let's say, for example, you have an acquaintance who is um, gambling away all of the family's money 
And as a result, their children aren't able to eat. Um, the, the wife is suffering. Uh, but he has an addiction. Uh, and you know about it. You have a relationship with this man. Do you have an obligation to confront him? Yes. According to this passage, yes. And can you forgive him? Not personally, but what can you do? Offer Christ forgiveness. Offer Christ forgiveness. And so that's where we need to separate forgiveness into two categories. There's personal forgiveness, and there's proclaiming God's forgiveness. This morning in worship, pastor forgave all our sins when we confessed. Have we all uh, offended pastor? Well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Probably. He just doesn't know but, but he doesn't have his robe on and his following us all around every week, right? What kind of forgiveness was he offering? Christ's forgiveness. So there are two kinds of forgiveness, and we need to keep that in mind. Now, the other part of that verse, but it says, but watch yourself where you may be tempted. And how might we be tempted when we go to talk to someone about how they sin? Judgmental, yes. What? How else? Angry, yes. You might be trying to tear them down when you really should be building them up. Yes, we might be trying to tear them down. So the difference between a loving confrontation and a judgmental one is why we are going to confront them. And if we are going with the attitude that we want them to see their sins so that we can proclaim Christ's forgiveness to them, that will help prepare us to approach in a loving way. If we're going with the attitude, I want this person to pay for what they've done, uh, we need to stop ourselves because we are not yet ready to confront that person in love. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then, thank you for saying that because um, this week, um, at the beginning of a telephone conference call, somebody blindsided me with, with a statement that literally took my breath away. Uh, I was instantly angry, and was my and I knew I could feel the reactivity building. Unfortunately, I didn't keep my mouth shut, <laughs> and I said something that I regretted um, greatly. And it took me it took me three or four hours to finally get myself under control, where I was able to confront him and talk about it. But the reactivity when I'm offended. The first thing I have to control is that, uh, and the old adage, count to ten before you say something. I needed to count to a couple thousand at that point, but I didn't. But it's so, especially when it comes, when it comes unsuspected, and when you don't expect it from somebody you, you trust, and then, whoa! Yeah, sometimes things catch us off guard, and then that old Adam rises up into us so quickly and just comes out before we even think about it. But thank God it gives us a way to come back and deal with it when we can. Yes? That's a good example of uh, uh, a person being aware of their own sin and turning to God and processing it. My, My question is, how do you restore somebody gently who's not aware that they have offended God. I can deal with how they've offended me, but they're just not aware of sin. Uh, at that, in that. So, are you talking about someone who doesn't believe in God? Not necessarily, it could be a, a believer who just, oh, never, you know, sin. You know, oh. sin is much more superficial than that person's life, perhaps, than what it uh, what it really is. Well. It, it is a delicate issue, and you have to minister to the person where they're at. But there is a way to say, you know, this was very hurtful to me. And uh, our God talks about how we relate to one another. And when we do something that's against God's word with one another, we actually sin against God himself. But I have good news for you. Christ died for that sin. And because he forgives you through Christ, I also forgive you. So that would be a way where you could work it into the conversation. But you're going to want to do it depending on where that person is at, where their faith is at, with the gentleness so that you don't um, uh, cause an offense that would not allow you to continue to to rock there. 
Thank you. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I'm going to have you turn over to the back. And one of the things that I do want to talk about, I, I so appreciate uh, your comment about how the anger took you by surprise in the moment. The reality is, as, as simple beings, um, this loving as God has loved us is a really difficult thing, especially with with um, someone that we're close to that may have betrayed us or that we trusted, uh, especially with, uh, for me, I think it's almost more difficult for me if they hurt someone I love than if they hurt me directly. I get very protective of my wife, my son, and others that I really care about, um, and, and that anger drives up with me. Um, so what happens when we don't love as God has loved us? Uh, Coming back to your question, is that a sin against God? Yeah. Yes, it is. So, what happens when we sin against God by not loving as He's loved us? First of all, we get forgiven. <laughs> we can start all over again. That's right. Yeah. And how do we know we get forgiven? God does. Because of the word, right? Uh, let's read this verse together from 1 John 2, verse 12. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Yes, we are incapable of fully loving as God has loved us. But when we recognize that we have failed in that way, when we recognize we have sinned against God and against others in that way, we need to come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I have once again sinned. Uh, uh, thank you for dying on the cross. Now, empower me to go talk to that person that I might give them a reconciliation, tell them that I might take one. No, that I, <laughs> that I might reconcile as you call me to do, right? Um, so, I want you to... to to think of a couple of questions, some practical applications for loving others there toward the bottom. Uh, bullets two and three. These are two very useful questions uh, when we are trying to deal with someone like this. The first question to ask is, how has Christ shown love for this person? And how can you answer that? For this person that has hurt you or someone you love, how, can, how has Christ shown love for that person? He died on the cross. Does that include people that don't know Jesus yet? Absolutely. So with that in mind, then we can ask the second question. How can I show love to this one who has died? I want you to think for a moment about someone in your life that has caused deep hurt or pain. Now with that person in mind, I want you to look at this quote from Oswald Chambers. Watch the kind of people God brings around you, and you will be humiliated to find this is his way of revealing to you the kind of person you have been to him. Now he says, I said to that one exactly what I have shown to you. You see, if anyone should know how to respond to another sinner, it should be me, Ted, right? I was baptized in front of the altar Trinity Lutheran Church as an infant. I confirmed my faith before that same altar. Uh, I have heard thousands of sermons over the years. I've been in countless numbers of Bible studies. I have blood Bible studies like this one. I have received the Lord's body and blood, uh, including this morning. And do you know how I return my Savior for all the love he has shown me? I sin against him. Not once a year. Not once every three or four months. No, daily in my heart, in my words, in my actions. I sin against my Lord Jesus. When they nailed my Jesus to the cross, my sin held that hammer. When the spear went into his side, my hands helped shove that spear in. When his bloody when his blood spilled out on the dirty ground. And do you know how my Savior responds to me after I've done that again and again and again? 
says, Ted, and he says the same to you, my daughters, my sons, I love you. I forgive you. You are my precious children. Now receive my love and show it to that one who has hurt you so very deep. Because my blood was shed for him. My blood was shed for her as well. I know you're very familiar with the passage from John 3.16, but I want to change it just a little bit. God's so loved instead of the world, I'm going to have you say this out loud and insert your name in the verse. And he gave his only son that as I believe in him, I should not perish but have eternal life. As a reminder of how much your heavenly Father loves you. Let's read this together, inserting our own names in the verse. For God so loved you, that he gave his only son, that as I believe in him, I should not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Oh, Father, the love that you have lavished upon us that you would call us your children in spite of all we are, think, say, and do. How can we ever give you thanks and praise for what you've done for us through your Son, Jesus? And Lord, as we stand at the foot of the empty cross in awe and wonder that you would love us that much, we stand in even more awe and wonder that you call us you're forgiven sinners, to be ambassadors for you in the message of reconciliation, that we ought to love and forgive others. Don't you know we're going to mess it up? Don't you know we're not always going to get it right? Don't you know that when you when these things take us by surprise, the old Adam will rise up in us and will say something or do something that is ungodly? The angels always got the message right. Why would you ask us to do that? Oh, and then we remember, Lord, who better to share the love of God than those of us who need your mercy and grace most of all? So keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, Lord, that when these events come, when we are hurt or loved ones are hurt, or even to just a stranger, that we would be so full of the love you have shown us that we can't help but love others. Be with us this week, Lord as we look for opportunities to love as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.